John chapter 21. I'll read the whole chapter. God's Word says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter, and Thomas called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They saith unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it up for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his, his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and had cast himself into the sea. And the other disciple came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of great fishes, an hundred and fifty and three, and for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh, and taketh bread, and giveth them the fishes likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples, after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? 
follow thou me. Now, Peter in this passage was overwhelmed by his own wretchedness. You know, I spoke or I preached a couple times ago about how the Lord had warned Peter that that Satan desired to sift him as wheat. And he he told Peter, you're going to fail me, but when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. And that time has passed. The Lord told him that he would deny him three times, and his response was, though all men should be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. And he said, though I should die with you, I'll never deny you. He had denied the Lord at the worst time possible. Jesus, his best friend, was being brutally beaten, mocked, spit upon, and sentenced to crucifixion, while Peter, for fear of the same outcome, denied that he even knew him with sinful cursing in his lips. After this, he forsook the ministry God called him to. He did not believe the words that the Lord told him that he would rise again the third day. Overwhelmed by his failures, he decided to return to fishing. And this, too, Peter would fail at. Peter would fail at fishing all night. He had hit rock bottom. But we see in this passage the great, wonderful Jesus Christ did not forsake Peter. Though the Lord had specifically warned him that he would deny him, and Peter's response and self-confidence was, Lord, I'm not going to do it. I love you. I love you more. Though everybody else here denies you, I'm not going to do it. Because I love you, Lord, and I'm going I'm to follow you. I'll never deny you. Boy, oh boy, was he wrong. And now, the Lord has risen from the grave, and he's confronted by the Lord. No doubt, Peter was greatly grieved. The Lord sought Peter out, reminded him of his great enabling power by allowing him and the other other disciples to catch 153 fish in one cast by simply obeying him at his word. They had fished all night. The Lord says, hey, just cast the net on the other side and you'll catch fish. They do it and they catch fish. Just then, while gathered around a bonfire, with the disciples, after enjoying a wonderful meal and a time of great reunion, the Lord asked Peter, in the most loving way, a most painful question, do you love me? It's a soul-searching question, isn't it? This morning, I would like us to to examine this question the Lord asked Peter and the implications behind Peter's answer. I want us to put ourselves in Peter's place and allow the Lord's question to examine our hearts and realize the implications behind our answer. Nathan, can you get me a cup of water? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you don't just Abandon us when we fail. That you desire to work on our lives despite ourselves. And that when we trust in you and not trust in our own strength, 
or in wisdom that you enable and that you help and you don't forsake your own. We thank you that when we sin, you come looking for us to repent. You convict our hearts and call us to follow you. Lord, we know that your word says that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and you're just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. Lord, we thank you for this example of Peter. I just pray that you would help me to expound this passage and that it would be a help to your people. Lord, please help me to not be uh, or not say anything that I shouldn't say, but to just do all of your will in Christ's name. Amen. Excuse me. Thank you, Nathan. We see here in this passage three questions the Lord asked Peter. The first question Jesus asked was, do you love me more than these? And I'll be honest, when I read that, I thought it was kind of a strange question. But I remembered what the Lord had told Peter, or what Peter had told the Lord, rather. He said, Lord, though all these people here forsake you, I'll never forsake you. He had claimed, Lord, I love you more than than anybody else here. I'm going to stay faithful to you. The Lord asked him, Peter, do you love me more than these? The Lord was confronting him with his sin. We see again, Peter, or the Lord asked Peter two more times, Lovest thou me? To bring a remembrance to Peter of his three denials of him. Again, Jesus was bringing back his self-arrogance, his pride, and his fall. The Lord was confronting him with his sin. But given the circumstances, I don't think the Lord could have addressed the, quote, elephant in the room any more in any more of a loving yet painfully convicting way. Jesus is the great shepherd, Peter's pastor, and it is at times necessary for pastors to confront his sheep about their sin. Sin must be dealt with, for the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23 says. And just a little, little leaven leaveneth the whole lump, 1 Corinthians 5.6 says. And Peter's decision to return to fishing affected the other, other disciples, and they went with him. And an individual church member's sin... It won't just affect that member, it'll affect the whole body. That's what Paul was saying when he said, a little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. That's why it's so important that each one of us remain faithful to the Lord in pursuing Him. Because our slack, our failures, they're not just affecting us, they're affecting the whole church. And as men, as husbands, as fathers... Our sin affects our family as well. So I ask you to allow God's word to examine you this morning. If you are a child of his, his spirit will confront you of your sins. The Lord will always 
confront you of your sins, if you're his child, he wants to get rid of that. So consider your life right now, your own failures, how you spend your time, the things you do, the things you don't do, what your priorities are, your faithfulness to the Lord's church, to the Great Commission, to the pursuit of holiness in your life, and that is a pursuit. Holiness is something that must be pursued. We are sinful people. Now, Paul said, I know within me dwelleth no good thing. And if we're going to be holy, it's hard work. And we must follow the Lord. We must pursue holiness. Think about your spiritual growth, how you've been growing over the past week, month, year, two years, three years, five years. Think about how you lead your family, how you love your wife, or how wives submit to your husbands. If the Lord were to look at you and ask you the question, do you love me, what would your response be? You know, it's so quick to say, yes, Lord, I love you. But, you know, words are really just words. I'd remind you that Revelation 2.1 says the Lord walks in the midst of his church. He examines hearts of his people. In John 14.21, the Bible says, Jesus said, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. That's a weighty passage, isn't it? Because we all fall short. We all fail. We all know there's things in our lives that we could do better that we just struggle with. We fall short of this perfect love. Certainly, Peter recognized at this point that when he told the Lord, Lord, I'm going to follow you, it's, it's not as easy as it sounds. If we say we love the Lord, now it's not easy as just saying I love the Lord. We must keep his commandments. We see the response of Peter. Peter, who deep down loves the Lord so very much, just like I would say we all do, I hope, responded to the Lord by saying, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Peter responded the second time in the same way as the first. And the third time the Lord asked Peter the question, he was grieved. And that word grieved means he became sorrowful, very sorrowful. More than likely, tears began to pour down his face as he appealed to the omniscience of God in his third response and said, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Everyone who has been truly born again knows what it is like to love the Lord so much, but yet at times feel so so much that your life is the contradiction of that love. Because we're all sinners. 
And I ask you, is that you, is that you this morning? Are you struggling with that feeling of feeling like your life is a contradiction? You know, Paul knew what it was like to feel that way. Turn to Romans chapter 7. And I can't really see the clock hardly. So if I preach uh, over, it's not my fault. It's whoever's in charge of keeping that clock working correctly. Nathan, is that you? No. (laughs) Romans chapter 7 and verse 18. We all know this passage. Paul said, For I know that in me that is my flesh dwelleth no good thing, For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in me and my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity of the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now that is something very different. Paul said something about himself that the world... You know, psychiatrists would say, well, that's terrible to think of yourself that way. Paul said, it's, it's like there's this, this thing inside me that causes me to do things that I don't really want to do. And that thing is his sinful flesh, his sin nature. And every one of us has one of those. And it's a struggle. Have you ever failed... And come before the Lord without words. You just don't know what to say. You just come to Him with a broken and a contrite heart. You know, the Bible says that the sacrifices of God are of a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. That's enough for Him a lot of times. You don't know what to say. Peter said, Lord, you know, you know that I love you. What a comfort to know that the Lord truly does know our heart. Though we seem like we're just contradicting ourselves. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 27, there are some comforting words. The Bible says, Likewise, the Spirit, it's the Spirit of God, also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You ever come to the Lord and you just don't know what to say? I've been there many and many and many times, and if you've been saved for any amount of time, 
You know what it's like. But there's some comforting words here. The Lord, by His Spirit, He searches our heart. He knows the battle that you're facing. He understands the war that's going on inside you. And if you do love the Lord, He does know it. What a wonderful comfort that is to know that the Lord does know that we love Him. We see thirdly the commands The Lord gives Peter some commands. Jesus commanded Peter to feed my sheep. Now, I'm about to take Greek class, so I'm not going to pronounce these Greek words. Hopefully, I'll be able to do that in the future. But there's two different Greek words used for feed. The first time, it implies just like the feed, just what we would think. This was the Lord commanding Peter to take the role as the pastor of his church and to feed the flock. This is the primarily, primary role of the pastor, another word for shepherd. It is the pastor's job to feed his sheep with the words of God. The second command, Jesus said, he used the word feed as a different word. It is a word that encompasses much more than just to feed, but to rule over them, protect them, to supply their needs as their shepherd. The Lord is telling Peter, take the oversight. No doubt, Peter would be overwhelmed by his unworthiness of this task. He was much more humbled at this point than when the Lord warned him that he would deny him three times. The Lord told him at that time, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Peter's response is one of self-confidence, but now all of that confidence that he had is gone. He's just... Look into the Lord. Uh, Isn't it a wonderful thing that though you and I fail, the Lord will still come searching us out because He wants to use us. He doesn't just keep us as His child. He wants to use us. He wants us to be His servants. Sometimes when you and I fail in the most egregious ways, The Lord is always willing and able to forgive, and He still has work for us to do. While we may feel unusable, the Lord still desires to use us. And when we are humbled and our dependence is completely in Him, we are at the place where the Lord can use us most. And you can see this all throughout Scripture. The Lord uses the humble. And the Lord has a way of taking those who are proud and humbling them. He did that with Nebuchadnezzar. And he certainly did that with Peter. We see some examples of this. We see Moses in the book of Exodus. He said to the Lord, after he attempted to deliver Israel out of Egypt by his own power 40 years ago, and murdered an Egyptian. Now that's, that's quite a sin, isn't it? Moses said, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither hitherto or herefore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, 
but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue, the Lord's response was, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. Moses told the Lord, Lord, I can't do the thing that that you want me to do. When before, we know from the book of Hebrews, I believe it is, that he thought he could deliver Israel by his own strength. He had to spend 40 years watching sheep and go through a time of complete failure before he came to the point where the Lord says, okay, now, now now that you see you don't have any strength, now that you'll trust me, go. The Lord told Jeremiah, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Jeremiah, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said to me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. You know, the people who think that they have it all together and that they're great, and people that come, you know, you have people that will come into church and say, you know, I think I should be a deacon or I think I should be a pastor. You know, I'd be great for your music ministry. The Lord's not looking to use people that, that think that they're great. He wants to use the humble. He wants the people that say, Lord, I, I, I don't have much. I'm a failure, but I give you what I have. Now, Isaiah, boy, he had a hard ministry. He said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of an unclean people. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He said that before he said, Here am I, send me. He had to recognize his own sinful tendencies, his own inadequacies. The Lord will use the humble. So if you're at a place this morning where you feel like you just don't measure up, join the club. None of us are are great in and of ourselves. The Bible says that without the Lord we can do nothing. The Lord uses sinful Weak people like you and I for his purposes. What a privilege. What a privilege. It's a, it's a joy. It's a privilege to serve the Lord. Peter loved the Lord and in humility was ready to prove that love by obedience. We see, fourthly, the outcome of Peter's response. Perhaps Peter, you know, let's look back at the passage Uh, Verse um, 16, he saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. 
And then Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. You know, perhaps it says that Peter was grieved. We don't know this, but perhaps there was a long pause between verse 17 and verse 18. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us, but perhaps Peter was extremely broken with tears running down his face. The Lord told him, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. Now, what is... What is What is Jesus telling Peter here? He's telling him, you know, when you were young, you were like a self-willed child. You walked about, you did things that that you wanted to do. You know, children can be bombastic, can't they? (laughs) I have a little girl, Lydia. She certainly can be scatterbrained and can be difficult to control her at times because she's got so much energy. It's hard to keep up. And the Lord tells Peter, you know, when you were a child, you went about, you did, you did things that, that, that you wanted to do. You know, there ought to be a time that we as Christians move past that. There ought to be a time when, when we grow in our spirituality to where we look to the Lord for, for what we must do, what He wants us to do, rather than going about trying to live our lives the way that we want to live them. You know, I think of uh, the writer of Hebrews told the church of Jerusalem, For when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as need of milk and not of strong meat. Paul says you should be moving past these things. You should be moving past the principles. But I want to feed you with meat, the, the, the deeper things of God, but you're, you, still, you still need milk. You're not growing up. And Paul told the church at Corinth, When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. The church at Corinth was acting childish. That's what, that's what that was saying, Paul was telling them there. And he said, it's time to grow up. It's time to move past that. It's time to follow me. It goes on. But when thou shalt be old, the Lord told Peter, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. What the Lord is saying is when you're old, I'm going to take you places where you don't really want to go. Jesus was telling Peter, there is coming a day when you will be bound in chains and taken to your death And the reason will be because you're following me. Because you're following me. You know, the life of following the Lord, Matthew 16, verses 24 through 25, said, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever... For, or for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, 
and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. You know, the Christian life is a life of telling our flesh that that evil that Paul talked about dwells within us. It's about telling that thing no and telling the Lord yes. It is a life of self-denial. That is what the Christian life is all about. That is what following Christ is all about. You know, the path of self-denial is the path that glorifies God and conforms us to his son who denied himself to do the Father's will. What did Jesus pray in the garden? He said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. That was the path Jesus took, and we're commanded to take the path that Jesus took. We are to follow the Savior. History tells us that Peter was sentenced to death by crucifixion. He refused to die the same way his Savior did and requested that his cross be flipped upside down, no doubt bringing great glory to the Lord he loved so much. Peter proved his love. I, I, can't, I can't say anything negative against Peter and in the sense that I'm better than him. Peter loved the Lord. He followed the Lord. He had some growing up to do, just like each one of us. But he decided to follow the Lord. You know, God's children have different paths to take. We see in verse 20 through 21, then Peter turning about, Seeth the disciples whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. You know, Peter asked the Lord, Lord, what... You, you told me that, that I'm going to be bound, I'm going to be taken where I don't want to go. What, what about John? What, what, what's his path? The Lord tells Peter, in a sense, that you, you don't worry about John. You worry about you. You follow me. You know, it's not God's will that everybody die the death of a martyr. It's not God's will that we all suffer some torturous, terrible death. It may be for some. Now, some of us, it's the Lord's will that we get up every day, go work at the farm, go work at the city, go raise birds, go be a contractor, and serve the Lord in those places. And that sounds, sounds pretty easy. It sounds pretty simple. A lot easier than the task that Peter was given. But how, how faithful are we at it? In doing those things, do we follow the Lord in doing those things? Are we faithful for him, to Him at work to be a witness? It's always God's will that his children follow him wherever he leads them 
and in so doing, bring glory to him. That is our purpose. The book of Revelation tells us we are created for his glory. So I ask you the question, are you glorifying the Lord in the path that you're taking? Are you following him? Now, the more I study and read through the Bible, I'm greatly convicted about what others were willing to sacrifice in their pursuit to glorify the Lord. Now, this book, we, I, I can't go through them all. There's, there's so many examples of men who sacrificed so much because they loved and were following the Lord. You know, Noah, it was God's will for Noah to preach righteousness for 120 years to warn others about God's coming judgment and then to go through the flood. All those people that he tried to warn except for his family died. And he had to go through that. You know, not just Noah. We, like I said, we can't go through them all, but I think of Abraham, who left all that he had, took his family with him, to go follow the Lord wherever, wherever the Lord would take him. He went and sought a country whose builder and maker was God. He didn't know where he was going. He just followed the Lord. And now there was a time he, he faced famine. He faced the kidnapping of Lot. He faced war. And there was a time when the Lord told him, Abraham, I want you to offer up that, you know, that only begotten son that, that I've given you, the one that you prayed for, I want you to offer him up for me as a sacrifice. And what did Abraham do? He obeyed. He followed. I think of Moses, who led the rebellious people through the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years. I think of Joseph, who was sold into slavery. What did he say? He said, you all meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I think of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was called by God to preach judgment to a rebellious people for most of his life that would not listen to him. They would instead beat him, put him in prison, threaten to kill him. His response was, God has commanded me to prophesy against you all. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Amend your ways and obey the Lord. And you can kill me if you want to kill me. That was Jeremiah's response. They said, we're, we're, going, to kill the, we're going to kill you for, for saying the things that you're saying. He said, look, you need to amend your ways. And if you're going to kill me, just kill me. But I'm going to preach what the Lord told me to preach to you. He was later accused of weakening Judah's besieged army and was thrown in an old well full of mud and left there to starve and thirst to death. Later, he gets brought out of the well and is put in a prison and has to witness all the people that he spent his life warning. Telling that you just need to surrender to Babylon. You need to repent of your ways. He watched many of them be killed and many taken captive. And he watched his city 
that he tried to save get burnt down. What a ministry. You may ask, why were they willing to do all these things? You know, Paul, Paul suffered a lot of the same things. Turn to uh, Philippians chapter 3. Paul tells us why that these people did what they did because they had the same heart that Paul had. Philippians chapter 3. Paul is, I'll just skip down to verse 4, but he's preaching against false prophets that are teaching a works-based salvation. And he's saying, I have forsaken. He said, if anybody can glory in their works, it's me. I had done many works. But he goes on to say, I'll just read in starting verse 4, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath thereof, that he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, is touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him. The reason he sacrificed and gave all that stuff up and was willing to be beaten, to be shipwrecked, to be stoned, the reason being the purpose that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, that's Paul pursuing holiness. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfected, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to, be have, or to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to tell the church to, be, to have the same mind, do like he's doing. Paul said, I, suffer, I go through these things and I suffer the things that I suffered that I might know Christ and that I might be like him. Because I'm pressing toward Christ. I'm pressing toward the mark. I'm going after him. And many of us, we live very comfortable lives and can consider to what a lot of these men were called to do. But I ask you, in our comfortable little bubbles that we live in, are we faithful in the little things the Lord calls us to do? We fail much. You know, Paul said, I have not attained yet unto the resurrection of the dead. I, I haven't received my glorified body. I'm not holy yet. But I press toward the mark. I'm striving. And boy, Paul, Paul failed too. We read in Romans chapter 7. We just read that. 
I ask you, are you pressing toward the mark? And you know, following the Lord means that we have to leave the past. Leave our old life. You may have failed time and time and time again and feel like you can't gain the victory, but if God wants you to follow him, he'll enable you and help you to follow him. You need to leave, forget about your failures, and just follow the Lord. The Lord is willing and able and ready to forgive When we view these men of God and what they were willing to sacrifice to follow the Lord, we can say without a doubt that they loved the Lord. They had their flaws just as Peter did, but nonetheless, they truly loved the Lord. And I ask you the question, do you love the Lord? It's a very simple question. When God asks you to forsake some sin in your life, how do you respond? When your pastor or the Holy Spirit confronts you about your sins and asks you to give something up or to witness to somebody, how do you respond? When the Lord directs the church through the leadership of the pastor to go on visitation or to do some difficult task, how do you respond? We're not called to follow our feelings or our heart. We're called to follow Christ complete opposite of what the world tells us to do. You know, this past Tuesday, we've had a lot going on at the farm, and and um, pastor announced that we were supposed to go on visitation Tuesday. When I got off work, I, it was already pretty late, and I didn't really want to go on visitation. But, you know, I've been reading through Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. And the Lord has greatly burdened me about what men were able or were willing to forsake the follow of the Lord. And I chose, I don't say this to, to boast, but I chose to go to visitation. I didn't feel like going. And you know what? That's okay. We're not always going to feel like following the Lord. We're not called to follow our feelings. We're called to follow the Lord. So I ask you, are you following Christ? And despite your failures, despite your weaknesses, do you truly love the Lord? Perhaps you are like Peter and have been failing to follow the Lord. Perhaps you have failed the Lord in a terrible way. Now, there's no sin the Lord's not willing and able to forgive. Paul, Paul persecuted the church. The church that Jesus Christ shed his blood and died for. Yet the Lord called that man to serve him. There's no sin the Lord will not forgive. So are you willing to truly repent and determine to follow the Lord? Not in a way that Paul did when he acted like a self-willed child before the crucifixion, 
but as he did when he was mature. God may not call you to be a martyr, but he is calling all of his children to pursue him. So I ask, what are you, what are you holding on to? Are you holding back? Has the Lord been dealing with you and asking you to give something up? It's worth it, I can promise you that. It's worth it to follow the Savior, to pursue Him. May the Lord help us to forsake all and pursue holiness in following Him.